Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and along with the Church of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, we welcome you to this edition of Shi'ar Jeshub. Today, Pastor Greg Scalzo will be starting the next sermon in his Through the Bible series on Heavenly Authority. You can find information about our church at shiarjeshub.org, and you can view our weekly Sunday message on the Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle YouTube channel. Here's Pastor Greg. Okay, we're looking at the Office of Administrations, the directors, the helmsmen of the church. And um, we spent several sermons in the Heavenly Authority series looking at pastor, elder, overseer. We've seen that those terms are pretty much interchangeable. And we want to look today at the criteria, uh, begin to look at the criteria for the pastor, for the elder, for the bishop or overseer. And the place to start is 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes, This is a faithful saying, or this is a, this is a trustworthy saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. Uh, the NIV will say, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, remember bishop, overseer, bishop is the English of the Greek word uh, that means overseer. Uh, anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task, a good work, a noble task. And the word there, good, means morally good, a valuable, virtuous, an intrinsically good thing. This is a morally, ethically uh, right, noble, honorable thing to desire to be in that position. So it's not wrong for those who are believers as they, as they progress in the Lord to desire those positions in the church to want to do something to help in the direction, in the administration. This is a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a bishop, of an overseer, he desires a noble, a good work, a noble position. And then he says, uh, a bishop then, um, or therefore in the Greek, therefore now in the NIV. Because of that, because it's a noble thing, to serve the Lord in this way. Therefore, a bishop then, verse 2, must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Now we're going to look at this one by one. There's, uh, it's a very powerful section. And we want to take what Paul is saying here, because this is really, this is the job description. This sets the job description, the criteria for the bishop, for the overseer. 
And we know that means for the elder, for the pastor. Um, it says in verse 2, if we go back, then since this is a noble position, since this is a good work, then the bishop must be blameless. Uh, the NIV will say it must be above reproach. Uh, and I have up on the blackboard the Greek word there, anapil emtas. And it's a, really a negative on a word that means to lay hold of, to catch, to seize. The negative of it, you have that an, the an, you know, an is the negative of this word that means to lay hold of, to catch, or seize. So it means not being able to be laid hold of, not being able to be caught or seized, not being able to be arrested, not arrested, not culpable. They cannot be laid hold of. They're not open to censure. They're without reproach, irreproachable, above reproach. And that's what this Greek word means here, to be blameless, uh, without reproach, unrebukable. They can't be criticized. We say someone's unrebukable. They cannot be criticized sharply. They cannot be reprimanded. When you say they're without reproach, um, there cannot be a, an expression of disapproval or a cause or an occasion to discredit or disgrace or to blame. So they're irreproachable. They're unrebukable. They're above reproach. And that all is in that word there that's translated uh, they must be blameless, or in the NIV, they must be above, above reproach. Yet, Romans 3.23 says what? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? 1 John 1.8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Galatians 3.22 But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. And lastly, Ecclesiastes 7.20 for there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. So given that condition, all have sinned. There's not one that does good and does not sin. And even as believers, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Why then does, or what then does Paul mean? What does he mean when he says that they uh, must be blameless? Obviously, no individual is always blameless. No individual, uh, their whole life is blameless. No individual, once they come to the Lord, every single day is blameless. It's impossible. It's impossible for any human being not to stumble at some point. Nobody we know as, a, as believers is perfect. And yet, I believe what Paul is saying here is that it's important for the elder, the bishop, the pastor, to be someone that does not bring disgrace to the church. Someone that also doesn't corrupt the gospel by bad example. The example that the elder gives, the example that he shows to those who are new in the faith, 
is very important. It's, it's a charge. It's a noble. It's a noble task. It's a good work. And it's important to how the church runs that those that are the helmsmen have a degree of um, respectability about them in the things of the Lord, that they don't bring disgrace and shame. We've seen it. We've seen the tragedy in Christianity of leaders, and we all know all the scandals that happened about a decade or so back, and what a laughing source it was of jokes and ridicule by those on the outside when those men that were in positions of authority in the church fell and stumbled the way they did. It brought shame to the church. It brought disgrace to the church. And it brought shame to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because obviously, what do, what do the people of the world say? Well, if they live like that, even I haven't done what they did. That man's jogging out there and he's running after prostitutes and this one's having an affair here, that one's having an affair there. Who's stealing money here? Who's, who has checking accounts for the church that they're drawing money off of? If they steal and they commit immorality... Gee, I look better than them. That's what the world says, right? It brings shame to the gospel. And the people inside the church, think of the young people, the children that are coming up. If they see their elders, their overseers, in such a shameful way, then it almost becomes a license to say, well, the pastor did it. Why can't I? Look at what pastor so-and-so did. Or look what this one did. Why can't I do what I want to do? And the gospel can be rewritten right, to, to a new gospel that's no gospel at all. So there's a reason that Paul says here they should be blameless. They should be uh, beyond, above reproach, unrebukable. Doesn't mean they're perfect. Doesn't mean they, they do not have sin. But there should be some outward sign of the inward life of Jesus Christ. After all, those who are elders should be those who are in the Lord longer. The longer the person's in the Lord, the hopefully the longer we have the work of the Lord Jesus Christ working inside of us. And there should be some outward manifestation of that in the way we live our lives. Especially if the person desires the position of a bishop. And you, you, we know in the church at Corinth how they were um, there was competition among the people, right? And a lot of times in churches, there's uh, competition, desire. Everyone wants to be a, a chief. And he's saying, well, if you do, it's a noble thing. It's good. If you want to be in a position of authority and help to run the church, that's good. But it's a noble thing. Well, then what does that mean? Then we have to be, if we're in that position, we have to be noble. We have to desire to do that which is holy, righteous, noble, and good. We should desire to be blameless because now if you want that position, then you want to have the qualities that you don't bring shame to that position and to the church. So you need to really let the work of the Lord come through us. And it's not just enough to constantly say, well, the Lord forgives me, because the Lord does, he forgives every believer. But there's something about being in a position of authority, there's a responsibility. And if you think of it like a parent, most people do crazy things when we're younger, right? All sin, all fall short of the glory of God. And as parents, we still make a lot of mistakes. But we have intuitively in us, and as we get older and we have children, to want to put the best face forward for our children. Why? To show, to be examples to them, to teach them the right things so that they can't say, well, yeah, but look how you do this and this. Well, it's the same idea with the church. 
The same idea with those in authority in the church to want to make sure that even though we know we're all sinners, even though we know we fall, we're not perfect, to say, Lord, look, I'm in this position. People are looking at me. The outside world is looking at me. People in the church are looking at me. Lord, don't let me bring shame, disgrace to that position. Help me to do everything right. It's a noble task. Then I need to be noble in that task so that the children see and they're brought up aright in the church. But now without reproach. Men really affected by the life of Jesus within them and that life making a change that is clearly seen in the life they live. And then Paul goes on to give concrete examples of what he's talking about, some examples of what this means the bishop, the overseer, must be blameless. On our website at shiarjeshub.org, you will find information about our church and a library of hundreds of Bible study radio programs. And we have also added links for those who would like to listen to the Through the Bible Heavenly Authority series on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. We live stream the Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m. on YouTube, and then the video is posted up on the Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle channel, both on YouTube and Rumble.com, as well as on the church website itself for 24-7 access. The website address again, Shi'ar Jeshub .org, and you can check Isaiah 7, verse 3 for the spelling.